it was either going to be a dunk or free throws. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always, at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today, we're looking back at a monster 11-game Wednesday. Injuries all over the place. Another 50-point performance. And then we're going to preview the four games for Thursday for DFS. So, Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it. Indeed, we will start, as we always do in these shows. Monstrous line of the night. Yes, the monstrous line of the night. Had a couple of options, but in the end, it fell to... Oh, look at that graphic. Stuff that up really bad. Uh, for those of you on YouTube, it's got the right picture and the wrong name. Of course, it is not Blake Griffin. It is Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors, who went absolutely crazy. I talked about it on yesterday's show um, in previewing the game against the Wizards, saying how he and John Wall, Steph and John Wall, always seem to have big games going up against each other. Well, it wasn't so much John Wall today, but Curry went crazy. 51 points, including 11 threes, four rebounds, three assists, and a block, and he did it extraordinarily efficiently on a true shooting of 90%. He was uh, 15 of 24 from the field, and he was a perfect 10 of 10 from the free throw line. Big boosts to both of those categories. Huge volume, good percentages, winning you, almost winning you threes alone with 11 of them. Not quite, of course, but that's a pretty... um. You know, I think if you get about if you get fifty threes in a week, you're probably feeling pretty good about winning that category in most twelve team leagues. Uh, maybe push it to sixty, um, and he's got you eleven of them straight away, and then you've got another you know thirty five, thirty six games to get more of them. So it's a pretty a pretty significant start to have that from Steph there. Another huge performance. His third monstrous line of the night for the season. He is the number two ranked player so far this season in fantasy behind Anthony Davis. He is really ramping it up, and I'll say it again. I'll continue to say it. I think he is the best player on this Golden State Warriors team. He is absolutely phenomenal, and we continue to underrate him. He's averaging 35 points per game this season, which is... uh, yeah, it's still obviously small sample size, but we're talking five games now, averaging 35 and 7 with five rebounds on a true shooting of 73%. He is absolutely lights out. He is the best player on this team, in my opinion, and uh, I know many of you will think that opinion is wrong. Waiver wire line of the night. That goes to Nemanja Bielica. Absolutely no idea how I can figure out what is going to happen with the Sacramento Kings on a daily basis. Bielitsa remained as the starter. Last game, it was Marvin Bagley III who played 30-plus minutes, and Bielitsa saw his minutes limited. Now, granted, that game was a blowout. This one wasn't, so Bielitsa and the starter stayed in. 32 minutes for Bielitsa, 11-11 and 11 with five assists, two steals, three blocks, and a triple. Good efficiency, three of five from the field, a perfect four of four from the uh, free throw line as well. So Bielitsa is your waiver wire line of the night. He is actually, this season, a top 50 player so far in only 24 minutes per night. Of course, that is fueled by 63% shooting. He was a 46% guy last year, so that is going to dip. He's averaging 11, 5, and 3 with almost a block and a little bit over a steal. They're solid enough numbers, but at some point you have to feel 
if there was a normal coach in charge, that Marvin Bagley would get a starting spot. But it is Dave Yeager. It's going to be back. And this rotation has been all over the place every single game that the Kings have played so far in all five games. It's just no consistency whatsoever. So while Bielitsa is fine to grab, he's fine to roster at this point. Will it continue? Will it be consistent? I think the answer to that we all know is probably not. Um I don't know if he's going to get 28 minutes one night or if he's going to get 22 minutes or if he's going to get 32 minutes. But when he produces, his numbers have been relatively consistent, averaging 16 and 8 per 36 minutes so far for this season, which is obviously relatively impressive. He does... I'm not sure his upside is not top 50. He's not going to be a top 50 guy because the minutes will come down and that shooting, uh, those shooting percentages will dip as well. But for now, he is a solid enough 12-team league player. On to the deep league player of the night, and that goes to DeAndre Bembry of the Atlanta Hawks. If you go back to a couple of years ago after the uh, draft um, where he and Torian Prince were drafted, I I thought that Bembry was going to become the better player out of those two. Now, two years and a week into their careers, that doesn't look exactly accurate. But Bembry has struggled with injury, 38 games in his first season, 26 last year, but he has started off this season rock solid. He's a top 140 guy so far, playing 26 minutes per night, and he can contribute in many different areas. Not a high scorer, low usage, nine and a half points. Actually, let's go through what he actually did in this game before we get into his season numbers. 11 points, 16 rebounds, and five assists. Two steals and a block. He hit a three. He was four of 11 from the field and two of four from the free throw line. Really has the ability to play backup point guard, which he did in this game with Trey Young battling foul issues. That enabled Bembry's minutes to bump up in this one. So I think we have to bear that in mind. We have to pay uh, pay some attention to um to him getting to uh to getting that playing time because of because of Young's foul trouble. But he has been really impressive, contributing yeah nine and a half, six and a half, and three with one point three steals, one point eight steals. So 1.33s and 1.8 steals. Now, he was the guy that famously in his rookie season, he didn't hit a single three until the last game of the year. I think I'll get that this number exactly. He was one of 18 for the whole season. Last season, he shot 37% from three, and he started out this year you know, red hot, 63% from three. So that will obviously fall back down. And even in doing that, his true shooting is still under 50 at 48% because he's hitting just 42% of his free throws. So efficiency is a real problem for Bembry. And I wouldn't look at him as a 12-team league guy at the moment, but if you do have some dead weight on your roster, while there is issues there with Jeremy Lin's not playing all that well, Bembry's getting minutes at at multiple positions, there are a few injuries with the Hawks as well, with the Baptist John Collins, meaning Torian Prince has to push up to the four more, so some more minutes at the three there, and especially if someone like Kent Bazemore ends up getting traded, you could see a 25-minute consistent role here for Bembry, and it it would be pretty interesting to see what he could do with that sort of playing time. At this point, he's probably more of a deeper league guy. I still do have an element of um, belief in him in that he can become something um, something more interesting than, than what we've seen from him uh, so far in his career. But I'm not, uh, I'm not holding my breath that that's necessarily going to happen. For this season, he is, again, still just more of a, of a deeper league guy. But 20-teamers, 18-teamers, 16-teamers, I'd be, I'd be looking to add him in all of those. And in 14-team leagues, I think there is some upside there for a guy who can contribute literally right across the box score 
but it's going to give you some issues with efficiency, which is going to be the problem there. Now, if your company is looking for a new way to reach customers, you could be mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with the sponsors that they hear on podcasts, and our demographic is 98% males. Again, let's get more of uh, more women involved in listening to this podcast. Shout out to, I think it was Tina, who uh, messaged me today and said she'd been listening for the last couple of years. Shout out to you, Tina. Our demographic is 98% males, more educated and higher earning than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast by emailing me at redrockfantasybasketball at gmail.com. Let's move on to the young gun of the night. Young gun of the night. It is, I can't remember who it is. Yes, it is Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz. We talked, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, about the slump that Mitchell was in to start this season and how he did start the his rookie season with a similar slump. Well, he blew out of it against the Rockets here and a huge win for the Jazz on the road. 38, 5, and 7, four triples. And it's all you know, efficiency, 56% from the field in this game. He was under 40% in uh, for the rest of the season before this one. And it just goes to show... Yeah, how much an efficient shooting night has an impact. Now, I thought he was going to take a big step forward in his efficiency this season. So that's why I thought he was a borderline uh, second uh, start of the third round type of a player, as opposed to the guy who just snuck inside the top 50 last year. And if he can maintain a high level of efficiency or a higher level of efficiency with increased free throw attempts, he will be able to get there. He's already increased the free throw attempts, but not hitting them at the same rate. The field goals and the threes are well down. But of course, this is a pretty good start or a pretty good bounce back more to the point from Donovan Mitchell. The assists are nice. Pity he didn't get a couple of steals in there, but a strong performance and he will continue to build on this. There will be nights where the field goal percentage is a concern, but we hope on the whole, there's more consistency with his shooting, with his ability to do that and get to the line and at least start hitting those shots from the free throw line, which again has been it's been a weird year from, uh, for free throw shooters. DeAndre Jordan's hitting 90% and guys like Donovan Mitchell are at 70%. I don't fully know what to make of that, but of course we're dealing with very, very small samples. Although, I'll talk about it later, I think DeAndre Jordan's free throws might be, uh, might be for real. Not 90% for real, but 60 plus, 65, 70%. I think it's a, I think it's a real possibility that DeAndre has, uh, has turned that around. I tell a man's not hot. Let's talk dud of the night. It goes to Malcolm Brogdon. Remember when I'm talking duds of the night, I'm not looking at the worst performance of the day. I'm looking at the player who has um, over 70% roster on Yahoo uh, and then performs the worst. And that was Brogdon, who's sitting at 74% over on uh, over on Yahoo. And he played 35 minutes. He had 9, 3, and 3. No steals, no blocks, no threes, 3 of 12 from the field. And I talked about this guy quite a bit in the preseason, saying I really like him as a player, but I just don't see a huge upside in Brogdon. And I think he's been... Like, he's been pretty much bang on where we expect him to be this season. I projected him about the 90th to 100th ranked player. He's a 96th ranked player at the moment. He's doing okay, but how much better can he get from here? 11, three and a half and five with a steal. You love the uh, the assist. The threes are nice. The efficiency is down. That can improve. I'm not, look, if he is on your waiver wire, there's no problem with using him because he's going to be in and around that 90 to 120 type zone, which is fine. But the upside for him to get better with other guys around him like Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, Yanni, Brooke Lopez now as well. He's just not going to be a high usage player. 15% usage so far this season. Not going to be you know, racking up tons of defensive numbers. He's a decent defender, but he doesn't get high steals. Not a big rebounder. Not going to be doing... He's just going to be very, very unexciting and with very little room for him to improve. And that's that's sort of where I see uh, Brogdon's numbers at, at the moment. They're, they're solid enough, but they're far from spectacular. It definitely has use, especially when you're talking roto leagues where he's not really hurting you in, in, in any area. 
but his ability to actually push up and, and maybe become better than he is, I think we're sort of stuck with what with what he currently is. And that's solid. It's just definitely not spectacular. The plus minus goats of the day, Jared Dudley had the highest net rating plus 126.2. That is an absolute monster. He and he did this for the last season for the Suns. When he's on the court, he contributes to positive basketball. He doesn't fill up the stat sheet. He doesn't look in the best basketball shape. Of course, he'd kick my ass every day of the week. But he just goes out there and he makes the plays that make teams better. And he did it again for the Brooklyn Nets today. While the lowest net rating of the day, the uh, plus or minus goat there, was rugged Ronnie Baker of the New York Knicks. No surprise there. He should not be in the rotation at all. You've got Damian Dotson who's killing it. You've got Frank Nielakini. You've got Trey Burke. Um, you've got Alonzo Trier. There's absolutely zero reason for Baker to be playing, especially when he's putting up net ratings of negative 109 uh, in one game, and the Knicks, <clears throat> apparently David Fisdale is looking at a lineup change to get more defensive. So uh, what are we going to get? Two Lance Thomases in the starting lineup? It'll be interesting to see exactly which direction he goes there. There was 11 games on, so that normally means there's a lot of injury news, and unfortunately, that was the case. Let's look at a couple of, couple of Dallas guys, what we've got some news on. The pencil Harrison Barnes, he's likely to be back on Friday from that hamstring injury. I don't think Barnes is even going to be a top 100 player this season, so bear that in mind if you're, you're scrounging on the wire and he's there and you go, man, I've got to grab him. If you're dropping someone, like I wouldn't drop Chetty Osman, I wouldn't drop Karis LeVert, I wouldn't drop Josh Richardson, names which have astonishingly been thrown at me as options to drop. Brooke Lopez, I wouldn't be dropping for him again. People throwing these names out. Uh, no, you don't drop them for Harrison Barnes. I just don't see much like Brogdon, much upside. And I think he loses some usage this season with uh, Luka Doncic there. And Devin Harris for the Mavericks is out for the next two games as well with his hamstring issue. Iman Shumpert missed today's game with a hip problem. He'd been putting up some interesting numbers as a real strong steals streamer, but of course, injury has struck him down already. Uh, when Bogdan Bogdanovich comes around, his value is going to dis- disappear there anyway. Alex Poitras suffered a knee injury for the Hawks. He's sort of filling in for the Baptist John Collins. And when Collins returns, I don't think we'll see much from Poitras, a two-way contract player with the Hawks. Justice Winslow was deemed available to play today from his hamstring injury. And then the Heat announced halfway through the second quarter that before the game, it sort of felt a bit tight and he wasn't going to play. It would have been nice to have heard that before the game, but we heard it in the second quarter. You'd imagine he's pretty close to coming back, but a little bit of a setback there with his hamstring. It was a day for hamstrings because Jim Harden left the game against the Jazz in the fourth quarter with a hamstring injury. This does not appear serious in the slightest. He says it's nowhere near as bad as the injury that cost cost him a couple of weeks in January, uh, early this year, last season, January. I don't think he's going to miss any time. It was purely precautionary, maybe a game or two. If he misses, remember Chris Paul is back next game from his suspension, so Eric Gordon would continue that bump. We saw Carmelo Anthony really take a step forward today without CP3 and uh, James Ennis. So if Harden does miss, he'd get a little bit of a bump for Mello uh, and a consistent or, or a continued bump for Eric Gordon. But it doesn't appear like it's anything serious there, thankfully, for uh, for Jimmy. We had another knee injury, and I think this one is serious. Punch Bob Shiploke, Bobby Portis of the Chicago Bulls. I'm never rooting for anybody to get injured, so I hope this everything's okay here for Portis. Um, the internal fears with the Chicago Bulls, and by the time you're listening to this, you may have an answer on this, is that it could be an extended period of time. I, I would guess 
a significant MCL sprain as a complete guess. I would think we're looking at two months here for Portis would be my early estimation. It could be an ACL. It could be a three-weeker. There's a big range, but I think he will almost definitely miss time. Now, with Larry Markinen already on the shelf, we're going to see Jabari Parker move into that starting power forward job. So if he was dropped in your league, I'd go and scoop him up. He's been okay the last couple of games, and there's a big opportunity for him. It should also give a little bit more uses maybe to Justin Holiday also to Zach Levine, and also to my boy Cameron Payne. You'll get a few more minutes for Chandler Hutchison, who has to play backup power forward, because I don't think they want to play Wendell Carter there. Carter's been getting the minutes. Can't find his shot at all. Maybe he gets a little bit more usage there as well and gets a little bit more confidence not playing next to Porter, uh, Portis as well. So bumps all around. Yeah, Carter should be on rosters as we speak anyway. Parker, go and have a look if he's there. Levine and Cameron Payne is someone you should go and check on your waiver wire too. But this looks like it could be a serious one. Devin Booker, another victim of the hamstring, left the game against the Lakers in the fourth quarter. It's on a situation where it's not as severe as what Trevion Graham's was, where he was out, he's going to be out for two months. And I don't think it's quite as trivial as what James Harden's one is. Now, Booker said it's not too bad when he's standing up and standing still. He's in no pain. But of course, in a basketball game, you're not standing up and standing still. He's got to move. He's got to push off. So my initial guess, these are all guesses. There's been nothing released from the team on Portis, on Harden, on Booker. I would guess that Booker's going to miss two to three weeks would be my initial guess. But I, if, if I, if I woke up tomorrow morning and I hear that uh, it's a day-to-day type situation, he's going to miss two games, I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's more in the Harrison Barnes type hamstring rather than the Jim Ennis, which is two games for Ennis and it was three weeks for Barnes. I think it's more Barnesy than Jimmy. Um, but you know, I don't have uh, I don't have confirmation of that at this point. Now, if Booker is out, I would imagine Josh Jackson moves into that starting uh, shooting guard spot, and he would be a guy to go and look on your waiver wise. Now, I talk about how shitty he is, and he's not very good at all. But as a volume bludgeony type stat accumulator, he can be that guy, and there'll be big minutes and a lot of shots to go around. It also marginally increased Trevor Ariza. I don't think he's much of a twelve team league guy. It gives a boost for deeper formats for Troy Daniels for your 30-team and 20-team leagues. He will likely move into that 20-minute backup role. It should also help McCall Bridges as well, who I do think is going to be a good player, but I don't think they're going to be pushing him into a 30-minute role from the uh, offset. And he's also not going to be a high-usage guy. That usage is going to go towards uh, DeAndre Aiden, and it's going to go a lot towards Joshy Jackson as well. We also had Marcus Gasol suffer a shoulder injury. He left the game and didn't return against the Kings. This appears like it was a stinger, and I think it's more in the James Harden level of severity in that it's not that severe, and Gasol may miss a game or two, but it's not a long-term thing would be my initial guess. Now, if he has to miss it, miss time with Jermichael Green already out, they'd likely shift Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J over to center. You'd get more minutes from Ivan Rabb, and if maybe Chandler Parsons is around, you'd slot him in next to Kyle Anderson in that starting role, but they are losing big men, and they are losing forwards pretty rapidly. I think it is going to happen. And amazingly, Rab didn't play today in the last two games without Green, which is, is a stunner to me. But if Gasol and Jackson are out, and Rab has shown an ability to put up some okay numbers. Remember, they did have Deontay Davis and Jarrell Martin last season, and both of those guys are gone. So it's going to be Rab. Uh, and, and I think you'll see a little bit of Parsons and some Kyle Anderson playing at the four as well, if Gasol happens to miss. But that's far from a fait accompli that he is going to be out. Let's move on now to these games, talk about them in uh, in the extra detail that we do in the box score breakdown portion of the show. There were 11 of them, so I've uh, got a bit of, uh, bit of stuff to go through. The first game we're going to take a look at is 
the uh, the Trey Young Luka Doncic bowl. The Mavericks had a huge lead and somehow choked it away for the Hawks to get the win, 111 to 104. Dennis Smith's best game of the season, 16, 7 and 6 with two steals and a block. He was all over the place. I really like Dennis Smith as a prospect. He has struggled a bit at times. I think he can be a solid fantasy guy. He shouldn't be on waiver wise in 12 team leagues. But DeAndre Jordan, I talked about it already. He was five of seven from the line, 71%, 11 and 16 with two blocks. He has really rejuvenated himself as opposed to last season. He looks better. He's more active. He's blocking shots. But the free throws are huge. I think he is 90% for the season, which, of course, you don't expect it to continue. But it's a bloody nice bonus. And while most of the time, if you've got him on your team, you are punting free throws anyway. So you might have Capella. You might have uh, Benny Simmons on that team. So you're probably not winning it regardless. If he hits an extra two or three free throws a game, that's an extra two or three points a game. So it actually helps his points category. So you can say, oh, I drafted him for punt free throws. It doesn't screw your punt free throw strategy. Remember, if you happen to win free throws, then that's a bonus. It doesn't do you any harm, but it actually then adds points onto him as well, which is a, a benefit too. Wes Matthews is absolutely on fire. Massive usage, 23 points with five triples. I didn't think Matthews would really be able to you know, take his game even further forward this season. I thought he looked cooked. His preseason didn't look good, but his last two games have been fantastic. So if he's on the wire, absolutely an option. While Luka Doncic continues to look good, 21 and nine, two threes, a steal and a block. Hopefully all those people that said that this guy was a bust before they even saw five seconds of him realize that he's actually really good and he's going to continue to get better. He looks solid uh, already and he is uh, he's locked in for a top 100 fan fantasy season at the very bare minimum. Actually, probably should have a look to see where he is exactly ranked for the moment because he's uh, yeah he's been really, really impressive so far and yeah, a real chance to get better. 94th so far on the back of poor shooting, 42 and 62 and 29% from three, which is a pretty common thing for rookies. All those numbers will come up. So Doncic had a strong game there. Dwight Powell, limited in this one, not his best performance. JJ Breyer, a great assists streamer. Well, Dorian Finney-Smith, I get a lot of questions, obviously. Hashtag humble brag. But some of the questions people ask, like they'll ask questions like, oh, Dorian Finney-Smith, is he a must-add in 12-team leagues? And they base it off, off one game. And I think there's a lot more nuance to it. And Finney-Smith is getting decent minutes. But we have to remember, it's because Devin Harris... Dirk Nowitzki, and Harrison Barnes are out. Now, Barnes is due back on Friday, and Finney-Smith is just not a good fantasy player. Five points with one rebound and two steals in 29 minutes. He will have the occasional decent game, but it's not going to be a continual thing, and it's going to last a game, maybe that, maybe this is it for him, and it wasn't a good one to go out on. So, yeah, not not a 12-team league player. For the Hawks, Trey Young, I mentioned it already, battled foul trouble, but still... 17, 4, and 5, albeit 25% shooting is horrendous, but I love the fact that he got to the line 13 times. He did only hit 10 of them, so it's not, not a, it could have been a much better uh, effort there, but on a shit night where his shot wouldn't fall and he got a lot of fouls, he still put up numbers, which is encouraging. The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman. He returned first game of the season, 14 minutes, 3-5-2 with a block, while Alex Len had 7-7-3 seven, seven, and three with three blocks. I think this is going to really work its way into a timeshare for this uh, for this season. I think that the Deadman is going to be the best option out of these two, but they're going to be real borderline players that you'd probably be better off streaming that spot. Kent Bazemore, ballistic, 32-3-7 with three steals, much like Wes Matthews. I didn't have high hopes for Bazemore this season, mainly because A, I thought he'd get traded, but B, I also didn't think he'd be playing 33 a night. He played like 27 minutes a night last season. I thought they'd give more minutes to, say, Kevin Huerta and try and work some of these young guys in, but Bazemore's been great, and if he's on your wire, he is a strong ad. The artist formerly known as Torian Prince had 24, 4, and 3 
Well, Jeremy Lin, there's no need for him. I thought he'd be a 20, 25-minute-a-night a guy. Nowhere near that. While well, Kevin Huerta played 18 minutes. Let's go on to the, uh, onto the next game up, which is the Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, man, this Cavs team is shit house. The Nets with a big win, 102-86. Jumping Joe Harris, 16-6 and with four triples in 27 minutes. The Nets, they didn't have to play their starters big minutes really at all because they had this game under control. But I think that Joe Harris is going to remain the starter over the blue swimmer, Alan Crabb. I think he might actually be a better player than Alan Crabb. And you know, Crabb has his moments. I don't think either of them are guys that absolutely have to be on rosters. But at this point, I think you have to. Crab is not a 12 team league guy. He needs to go and probably more 16 teamers. And I think Harris is a solid enough streaming option at this point. I mentioned Jared Dudley before, 12 points in 24 minutes, even with Rondé Hollis Jefferson back. Hollis Jefferson played 21 in his return, had eight and eight. Those minutes will start to flip when Rondé gets his legs back under him. And it was a strong D'Angelo Russell performance, 18 with eight assists, while Dinwiddie had eight, three, and one. And for all the talk about Spencer Dinwiddie being good and being better than D'Angelo Russell and all that, I'm not actually sure that he is a 12-team league player. He's the 168th-ranked guy so far in 28 minutes per night, averaging 13, 3, and 4. His free throws aren't there. His field goal percentage is actually up, but he just he's not doesn't get steals. He doesn't do enough to me, and he's quite limited upside-wise unless, of course, D'Angelo goes down. Now, I want to clarify something. I talked about it the other day saying Karis LeVert's numbers, and I love Karis LeVert. You would have heard me talk about Karis LeVert since the moment that he was drafted. I was big on this guy, and I've talked him up for years and years and years, all all years in his career. And I said, he is going to regress. He will not remain. He was a top 20 fantasy guy, and I said, he is going to regress. So look at a buy low. Also, let's look at a sell high. And someone told me that a player in their league offered them Paul George in exchange for Karis LeVert. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. He shot, been shooting 65% before this game. Now, Levert still played 32 minutes. And I said, you know, I tweeted this out today. I said, you know, the Karis Levert regression is coming. And people were like, oh, man, he's still getting the shots. The minutes are there. He's still good. Look, I know he's still good. I am well aware. I am very much on the Karis Levert bandwagon train well before you, most mostly. But what I'm trying to say is that that value that he was putting up, it was never going to stick at that level. And he's going to settle back as a 70 to 80 type ranked player. That's where he'll settle back. Now, played 32 minutes, 42% on 12 shots. That drops the value, 10, 6, and 4. A couple more of those shots go in. It's a really solid line. But that's the difference between what he was doing before, where he was elite from fantasy for the first couple of games, and he drops back off. I'm not saying that he's a droppable guy. He absolutely has to be not on any waiver wires anywhere. He can't be. But he was always going to drop back, and it happened in this game. Not surprisingly, Jared Allen, 10-8 and eight with a steal and a block. onto the Cavs. This was just absolutely putrid. Um, Ty Lue wanted to bring the veterans back in to really help, and it didn't. They lost by 16 at home. J.R. Smith was back in the rotation playing power forward. They took Sam Decker out of the rotation, while Kyle Korver also played 19 minutes. Those guys combined for seven shots and nine points. So yeah, that didn't work. Kevin Love, 14 and 11 in 29 minutes. This team is going to absolutely implode this season. I can almost guarantee you the minutes were spread right out here. Tristan Thompson was terrible. George Hill, seven points in 25 minutes. And Colin Sexton, this is as Colin Sexton as it comes, 14, three and one, no threes, no steals, no blocks, and a weirdly efficient shooting night. Not a 12-team league player. George Hill isn't a 12-team league player. 
Um, Tristan Thompson isn't a 12-team league player. You had Larry Nance. This is a, an indication of sort of what he can do. Four, six, and four with two steals. And you might say that looks pretty shit, and it does. But six rebounds, four assists, and two steals is strong. He shot 29% from the field when he's normally a 60-plus percent guy. So add it, you know, that, that could have easily been a 10, six, and four with two steals in 20 minutes. I want him to be playing 27 a night. There's no need for Thompson, who is completely washed up at this point. There's no need for, for him to be playing over Nance. But I have absolutely zero trust in Ty Lue, who is a bottom five coach in the NBA, and we're really seeing it exposed this season. His roster is not good, but he is shitful. He was shitful last season, and he's shitful now. Chetty Osman, eight and six in 24 minutes. That's two stinkers in a row from Chetty, but he is still someone that you shouldn't be dropping. You need to be holding on. Do not worry too much. He still had the second most minutes on this team. The shots were still fine, 25% usage. They just didn't go down. There will be nights like this, definitely. He's not going to be that red-hot player we saw from opening from opening night. Of course, everyone with any common sense would have realized that. Um, yeah, there's going to be some of these rough nights in there for old, old Chetty. Let's go on to the next game. It's the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat. Now, a lot of questions about this bloke. Damo Dotson of the New York Knicks, a guy who came out of Houston uh, College, University of Houston, as a really good three-point shooter and struggled a bit last season. I was clamoring for him to get time when Tim Hardaway went down last year, but it never happened. And he is amazingly a top 50 guy this season, but it's coming on 49% shooting in 29 minutes, averaging 14.5, 6.5 with three triples and 1.7 steals. So there's a couple of things there that seem a little bit abnormal, but when you look back at his per 36s from last year, he was a strong rebounder. So that's not too far off. The steals are, are elevated, the efficiency is elevated, and the usage is, is up a little bit as well. But I'm not banking on Dotson being able to get 29 minutes per night. Now, while the Fort Kevin Knox is out, maybe he can see that. And he's sort of doing what a lot of people expected uh, Alonzo Trier to do, stepping into that role. So I don't hate adding him. He's, I think he's more of a 14-team league guy that I would look at, but in a 12-team format, I think you have to consider it, but I think these last couple of games have been a little bit streaky. He had 20 and 10 here, 14 and 8 in the last game, and then 10 and 2 in the game before that. But I think we can see some solid production. He's definitely playing himself into a rotation spot, should be ahead of Rugged Ronnie Baker, but whether Fisdale continues to see that, um, I don't know, but it was a strong performance from old Damo Dotson. Timmy Hardaway, 23 minutes, a real blowout here, 14 points, and Ennis Cantor had 8 and 5 in his 19 minutes. Nilakina still got his minutes, 31 minutes. That's encouraging. That's a big positive from Fisdale. 8, 5, and uh, sorry, 9, 3, and 5. It just doesn't do enough for me fantasy-wise. He's more of a deeper league format player. Well, Trey Burke, this is disgusting. He was really, really strong last game. He is taking so many shots, but three points on 10 attempts. So I talked about regression from Trey Burke coming this season after shooting an absolutely insane percentage on twos. It has fallen and fallen hard. He can't get big minutes. He had a strong game last time. I do not believe in this guy as an NBA player. He had a, uh, a strong hot streak at the end of last season, which completely belied how shit he was in Washington and Utah, and we're seeing that reversion now. So while he does have borderline 12 value, if you had Trey Burke, I would have no issue with switching it for Dotson, because I think almost guaranteed that Burke will be your worst player on the roster. Now, if I had Burke, I'd probably want to hold a little bit, because he's still sticking as that starting point guard, but his defense is atrocious, and if Fisdale is making an effort to focus more on defense, maybe they do put Frank back at... Um, 
at point guard to, to get Burke out of that starting lineup. They put Dotson. Maybe Dotson does go into the starting lineup, which would be very interesting indeed if that happened. But Burke is uh, is someone I'm not massive on. The 193rd ranked player this season without efficiency, officially falling off a cliff. Mario Hazonia was also inefficient. 13 points on 15 shots. The 22 minutes, man. I thought last game... Hey, we turned a corner. Let's give him these 30 a night. Eh, didn't really happen in this one. So that is um, important. Also remember that some of Dotson's minutes and shots and, and scoring here did come in massive amounts of garbage time. For the Heat, I'm not to make of Scooter Magruder because he is absolutely crushing it. 19-6-5 with three triples. Now, I continue to say it. No Wayne Ellington, no Dion Waiters, no Justice Winslow, no James Johnson. But Magruder is playing at a very high level. Now, I could see Tyler Johnson. I could see Dion Waiters out of the rotation completely, enabling Magruder to stick in. He is the 31st ranked player this season in 35 minutes, averaging 16, 7, and 4 with a steal and a block. But a lot of these things are very much inflated, especially his efficiency, which has gone up uh, from uh, a true shooting of 60, which was really good last year, in 18 games, up to 72, shooting 57% on three. So that's likely to come down. His free throws are also really sky high, and he has doubled, over doubled his assist rate and over doubled his uh, rebound rate. So a few things. Now, I can understand the rebound rate, given he's playing upper position and the assist stuff. He's looking much more comfortable on the court. Trey Burke for Rodney Magruder, I'd make that swap, no problem. But I do worry that you know, when these other four guys who are all rotation players, maybe, there's going to be, and even if Magruder doesn't fall out of the rotation completely, he's not going to be maintaining this level of playing time. Joshy Richardson started off poorly, but 21 and 8 with five threes and 57%. I think you'll take it. And again, one of those guys, man, do I drop Josh Richardson? No, you know, you don't. You never ask me that question. Unless he gets hurt, you can ask me that question. Otherwise, never do it because you don't drop him. Kelly Olynyk went from an afterthought to starting at power forward, 11, 3, and 6. Eh, solid. Again, don't trust it. Johnson. Uh, when jo- Johnson and um, who's the other guy, Winslow come back, I- I'm not sure what they're going to do. Are they going to be? Ex- he was almost exclusively a center up until this game, so this was a little bit of a weird one. While Dwayne O'Wade had seven, two, and four, and Tyler Johnson ten, four, and two. I, I think that uh, Johnson could fall out of the rotation, and the Iron Shoulder had thirteen, five, and three, not living up to. He was ranked at like fifty or sixty on some sites, which uh, didn't make a huge amount of um. Uh, didn't make a huge amount of sense to me at the uh, at the time, but it, it's been he's been um, one good game and, and a couple others where he has struggled quite a bit. The next game we look at the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Toronto Raptors. I thought for sure Andrew Wiggins would play in this game, but he didn't. Um, he missed a, a game in his career, and again, it all it all begins. Guys who never miss games eventually they do. He was out, so Josh Okogi started twenty seven minutes, ten and eleven with two threes. Now poor shooting, but. We know what's going to happen. Miss the flexible Tom Thibodeau. As soon as Andrew Wiggins is back, Okogi will be out of the rotation. And you could make the argument that he's better than Andrew Wiggins, at least defensively, or gives more effort. Maybe, maybe that's phrased that way. He's not better than Wiggins at this point, but I like Okogi. I just don't see it being uh, anything you can really hang your hat on. Derek Rose, another four assists. Man, he is giving you assists, and that is fantasy valuable. 16-3-4, he's taking way too many shots, but he has been useful, and he actually does have some appeal. Trey Burke or Derek Rose? I'm going to keep referring to Trey Burke because he is you know, that last player in a lot of people's rosters. Frank Nilakina, Trey Burke or Derek Rose? Derek Rose, maybe. Maybe. Man, it's tough. It's so hard for me to say that. Jim Butler, 23-4-5 with six deals. He is a top five fantasy player this season, continuing to kill it. While Carl Anthony Towns is doing the opposite of kill. But... 14 and 8 with a steal and three blocks on 29% shooting. I talk about guys you know, that shoot really high percentages. 
when you're shooting 29% as a center. Now, he looks disinterested. We know this, where there is a clear issue with him and Butler, and everyone knows what that issue is, and he does not want to be there. There is a, there is a definite reason that he did not sign his five-year max extension until two days after the Butler trade request came. There is a one. There is a reason for that, because he said, I will not sign this extension unless this dickhead is out of here. That's what he said. I... Okay, that is what I 99% assume he said. Because there is an issue between them. You all know what it is. And he is, he, and then how do you think you feel? Okay, I'll, yep, no, I'll sign it now. You, Butler's gone. Tom, Butler's out of here. I can't deal with this guy. I can't deal with his you know, smug bastardness. No, nah, mate, don't worry. Don't worry, Carl, man. He's out. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. And then Thibodeau's doing that laugh at the back and, oh, he's coming back. We're going to win. We're going to win. And Towns is like, well, what's this bullshit? I've just signed myself here for the next five years. I've got a coach who's a maniac, a teammate who's a real dick man. What is this? He will bounce back. This is the ultimate buy low, but low, buy low, low, low. Don't buy low by sending Kawhi Leonard for him. Don't buy low by sending Nikola Jokic to get him. Now, if you've got Carl Anthony Towns and you want to switch him for Jokic, I'd do that trade immediately. Because I know what Jokic is going to do, and I worry a bit about Towns. But go low. Al Horford, bang, let's go. Give me Towns. Marcus Gasol, if he comes out fine, bang, give me Towns. It'll work for some people. And people go, Josh, your buy-low trades, they never work. They do. Some people they work for. It all depends on the strength of your league. And again, if someone comes in you know, saying to you, you know, the, the, you know, you're going you're gonna to buy him low, but you have to give up Nikola Jokic, you don't do it. You just go, no, nah, I'm not giving. I'm not doing that. That's not buying low. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you, you do try it. Uh, Jeff Teague. My name is Jeff. Twelve, two, and nine. Yeah, solid enough. Um, let's move on. Oh, yeah, that's it for the Wolves. Let's move on to the Raptors. The fun guy, Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> he has been uh, pretty good. Thirty-five and five, and. Oh, man, he got the double drop today. He had the Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. Two threes, two steals, two blocks, 65% on 23 attempts. He is the 19th ranked player uh, so far this season. A bit weird that he's not quite as high there, mainly because the steals aren't quite there, lowish blocks and uh, and low, uh, low assists, but averaging 28, 8, and 2.5 and on 51 and 89, a true shooting of 61%. The volume's not quite there on the free throws, which is pushing back into elite, which I think he can get to. But the minutes are high. This is something I talked about ad nauseum with him. I thought his minutes were going to push up, and they have. Kyle Lowry is a top 10 player so far, 13, 6, and 10 with four steals. While Valanchunas off the bench, it doesn't actually matter. 16 and 9 in 20 minutes. We all hope, man, give him 30 minutes and he'll crush it. It's never going to happen, but he's still doing enough in 20 minutes. Barker had 15 and 7, while the Jedi, Ojananobi. Hello there. Coming off the bench, six and five with a steal and a block. Good to see DeLon Wright come back for his season uh, debut and then wasn't able to play in the second half as the groin didn't quite feel right while Freddie Van Vliet was out with a toe issue. Dan Green struggled six, four and three. I still do think he's a 12-team league player. I'd prioritize him over Rose, over um, over Trey Burke, over Frank Nilakina, over those sort of guys. But we know there's going to be some ups and downs with um. Uh, ups and downs with Green uh, for this season, as he, there is with him pretty much every season. The Jazz and the Rockets, 
Gobert, 12 and 13 with three blocks. That's strong. Well, Jay Crowder, again, more minutes than Derek Favors. Nine and six. It wasn't a great shooting night from Crowder. 12 attempts, 25%. But the minutes are consistently higher than Favors. Favors is a deeper league guy only, while Crowder is a borderline 12-team league player. Alec Burks, from such a promising preseason, he's getting four minutes a night. And when Tabo Cephalosha returns in two games' time, will Burks even be in the rotation? Probably not. Ravishing Rick Rubio, ugh, yuck, four points on eight shots, still had six assists, still had two steals. You're not doing anything. You're not dropping him. You're not doing, you know, people go, what do I, someone tweeted me, what do I do with him? Well, you're not trading him because you're going to get no value at this point. You're not dropping him. He is the 175th ranked player. It's been a brutal start, six points on 22% shooting, but that's key. You can tell me that Rubio is a shit shooter and that's fine. He is not a 22% shooter. He is a 40, 41, 42% shooter. That will increase. Yeah, the usage is well down on where it was last season as well. I think there'll be some room for improvement there, but he's averaging more assists. You've got a scope for the, the rebounds and the steals and the shooting all to come up. It is a great buy low, and if someone drops him, I think you go and add him, and you don't really think twice about it for the ravishing one. Jingle and Joe, 11-6-3. He's cooling off a bit after his uh, hot start. No, uh, as I said, no Jim Ennis, no Chris Paul. Then Harden went down for the Rockets. PJ Tucker had seven steals and a block, 39 minutes Defensive specialist type of guy, not a 12-team uh, definite type of player. Well, Mello, got to give him props here because he's been terrible. But 22 points in 39 minutes, seven rebounds, a steal on a block, 53%. This is what we thought. Maybe he could do this in Houston. Maybe with two guys who can actually pass, throwing him the ball, he'd be in better spots. It's one game out of four. Not holding my breath, but if Harden misses time for the next one, and even with Ennis out, I'd be okay with grabbing Mello. Let's see if some of this better form can stick. 38 minutes for Clint Capella is what I'm talking about as well. 10 and 12 with two blocks. That's good. While Carter Williams started, he was atrocious. And Eric Gordon, man, the best thing about Eric Gordon's line is he took 21 shots, hit five of them for 24%, which just obliterated your field goal percentage. But those attempts is what I'm talking about. Is When one of Paul or Harden are out, he gets a huge spike in what he does. Just unfortunate he couldn't convert that. It could have been a 20-point game for him very, very easily. He hits um, you know, three more threes, and you're at 20 points. And, and that's out of the 16 shots that he missed. So huge scope for him to have a much better game than what he did. Unfortunately, he didn't get there. Let's look at the next one, the Charlotte Hornets and the old Chicago Bulls. They're back. The Bulls, let's talk Hornets first, though. Kemba's great, 23-3-6, while Jez Lamb had a strong game, 12-3-3 with a steal and a block. Really efficient for Lamb. He contributes across the box score, 28 minutes to Malik Monk's 24 minutes. I still believe Monk has the significantly higher upside. If you want production now, Lamb is going to be your guy. I do worry that he could lose some of that uh, as the season goes on, but Lamb is probably the guy just for that guaranteed production. But if you're looking for a last spot on your bench upside type of guy, Monk is going to be a better option. Lamb is ranked outside the top 125 minutes per night, but he has played a little bit more in the last couple of games, 28 in two of the last three games, and had double figures in scoring in four of the five games this season, and blocked a shot in four consecutive games as well, which is a hidden bit of value that does give him that little bit of an edge on Monk in that area. Cody Zeller, 14 and 6. Bill Hernan Gomez, 7 and 5 in 14 minutes. The center position is going to be all over the place. No real clear winner. No real quick, clear 12-team uh, league player there. Batum playing a lot of minutes, which is good. Just not really doing what we want. A triple one with 13 points is all right. While Miles Bridges is clearly not a 12, 14, or 16-team league guy. Let's talk Bulls. No Chris Dunn out with that knee injury. So Cameron Payne started. Guys, he's good. 
I know you're going to disagree. He's the worst point guard in the league, Josh. He's not. And if you say that, you haven't watched him. And he was good last year. He was pretty strong last year. Now, I have made the argument that you can make an, and I, I believe you can make an argument, and I'll probably lose it every time. I think he might be better than Chris Dunn. I think there is a legitimate possibility. They are the same age. Dunn is significantly better defensively and absolutely significantly shitful offensively in comparison. Now, Dunn, and, and what's more important at the point guard position? Someone who can create their own shot and create a shot for others and hit threes or someone who can defend? The answer is creating your own shot and being able to knock down those shots. Point guard defense is not as important as, as wing or big man defense. So we've seen it. We saw it last year. Payne had a strong run down the stretch, and he actually got sat down to increase their tank at the end of last season. He had his minutes reduced to give more playing time to Jaron Grant. He had 21-5-4 with seven triples, a steal, and a block. Now, he got hot. He's not going to shoot this efficiently, but I like what uh, I like what Payne can do, and I think he should be grabbed in 12-team leagues if he is around, and according to Yahoo, 5%. He, he's got to be. He's going to be on your wire. Go and have a look. Levine started off slowly, but man, he cranked it in the second half. Thirty-two, four, and five. The blocks, which I talked about the other day, are, uh, are not going to be as they were for that first game. But twelve attempts from the line, hit eleven of them. That is huge. 22 field goal attempts, 45%. He's a top ten player so far this season. There, will, there is going to be a regression, but he is cranking out the thirty-point games. And if Portis is out, if uh, and Markkinen's out. He's going to get a shitload of usage. And if this efficiency keeps, which is the worry, man, he's been really, really strong. Jabari Parker, 11-9-4 and four with two steals. That's rosterable. And with the Portis injury, I'd go and have a look if anyone uh, moved on from him. Justin Holiday stealing 38 minutes a night is not ideal, but he had seven and six, deeper league guy. And when Denzel the Hammer Valentine comes back, he's going to cut into some of that time. Now, when Chris Dunn went down, a lot of people asked me, man, is Justin Holiday getting a big bump with Dunn out? It doesn't impact Holiday at all, really, I don't think. He, they, he's not a point guard. He's not Aaron. He's not Drew. He plays on the wing, and he is not a passer. He's not going to really have anything change with his role with Dunn out. And again, same minutes with Dunn, same minutes without. Big minutes on the wing. Chandler Hutchison, I thought, looked pretty good. Uh, a name to watch for deeper leagues. And Wendell Carter Jr. Now, he can't hit shots at the moment. Two of seven. Two of six from the line, but six points, seven rebounds, two assists, and two blocks, and importantly, 30 minutes, and Robin Lopez did not play at all. Chris Felizio came in, and deeper leagues, Felizio looked all right. Don't hold your breath on it, but he looked all right. But I think Carter has to be a 12-team league guy. The minutes are solid. That's 30 in a row, thirty for two games in a row, and when the shots start falling, yeah, that could have been a 12-7 and seven with two blocks, which is really nice and, and solid uh, enough for, uh, for him moving forward. Let's move on to the uh, onto the next game. We're talking Indiana Pacers and the San Antonio Spurs. Oladipo twenty one five and nine, a solid night from him in a big win over the uh, over the Spurs. Now in the best bet yesterday, had this game going over the two hundred and thirteen line. It ended up at two hundred and eleven, so just a bit under. So back to my old shithouse ways. Oladipo is struggling though in terms of fantasy rank, mainly because he's shooting fifty nine percent from the free throw line, which is bound to come up. But the steals, which I talked about so much in the preseason, are nowhere near the same. The blocks, nowhere near the same. We're talking half the amount of last season. Everything else is basically online, but there's three big categories that have really, really dropped off, and that were some of the big reasons for his big breakout last season. So it is something to bear in mind. Sabonis had 16 and 10 with four assists and had two steals and a block, while Miles Turner had 10 and 6 and two blocks. Miles Turner is not going to become a top 50 player this season. I feel pretty confident about saying that. A lot of people are like, you know, do I just keep holding and waiting? You know, buying low in the hope. No, I think this is it for him. 
I like Miles Turner. This is it. Sabonis is going to keep eating into his minutes. Turner's presence is going to keep limiting Sabonis. Sabonis is a borderline. You still, you still have to have Turner on your team, but he's not getting to this top 40, top 30 number. It, it just isn't happening. And Tyreek Evans, after a shit performance yesterday, still only played 23 minutes, which continues to confuse me, but 19 points, five triples, five assists, two steals, and a block. That's plenty good enough to be a 12-team league player. Daz Collison, not a 12-teamer. Thaddeus Young, 14 and 5, very little else. I don't think either of those guys are 12 team musts. Um, you could you could have them on your roster and it wouldn't look terrible, but they're the sort of guys where you go, I want to add camp- campaign. Do I drop Darren Collison? Yeah, you do it. You go and add Payne over Collison. There is zero upside for Daz this season with Corey Joseph playing well, 12, 6, and 4 for Corey. And uh, Tyreek dropping his numbers. For the Spurs, just a disaster. They did put Yuck and Pirtle back in the starting lineup to go against Sabonis and Turner, and he was terrible. LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan struggled 14 and 18 points respectively, nowhere near what they did the other night against the Lakers. Well, Bryn Forbes, I've been anti-Bryn Forbes, but he's been pretty solid. 15 points, four assists, 31 minutes, an option. Is he an option over Trey Burke? Yeah. Is he an option over Frank Nilekina? Sorry, Knicks fans. I know they're the two names I keep bringing up. Would I have Bryn Forbes over Derek Rose? I probably would, to be honest, but... It's going to end when Derek White comes back, but who knows when that's going to be. There was a positive report on his recovery today, but I think we're still a few weeks away from uh, from Whitey returning. 11 and 10 for Rudy Gay was uh, was relatively solid as well. Far from uh, spectacular, though. Let's go to the next one. The Philadelphia 76ers, the Milwaukee Bucks. Ben Simmons was back. He played 38 minutes and had a 14-13-11 triple-double, while Embiid had another monster. 30 and 19, six assists and three blocks. He has been an absolute killer so far this season. I think that's three or four 30-10 um, games for uh, Joel Embiid so far this season. Really, really been impressive. The minutes are fine. This was a back-to-back, and he played 36 minutes, so... There's no worries there. The seventh-ranked player so far, averaging 30 and 12 with two and a half blocks, just absolutely crushing it this season. JJ Redick is also unbelievable. 19, 2 and 6, 32 minutes for Redick. Yeah, of course, he's a 12-team league player with how he's going. But Markel Fultz, eh, five points, four assists, two steals. I think he's gone. I, I think I, I don't think you can justify holding him in 12s at this point. Covington struggled. He'll have these games occasionally. While Sharich had 15 and 7 with very little else there. And Timothy John McConnell with Simmons back played the five minutes. Not much to see there. Yanni Atadokumpo narrowly pipped for the monstrous line of the night. 32, 18, and 10. Two steals and three blocks. And actually got the shot to four. 50% on 24 attempts. Eight of nine from the free throws. That had been really holding him back. He'd been outside the top 25 before today. This bumped him back into the top 10, getting those percentages back up. Lopez. On waiver-wise, don't let him be. 21 points, 5 triples, 2 blocks, 32 minutes. This is what he should be doing most nights. Maybe not 32 minutes, but he needs to be playing you know, way more than what Ersan Ilyasova was. Middleton and Bledsoe were strong as well. They are as rock-solid as it comes, even though they both shot identically shit 6 of 18 from the field. Talked about Brogo already, and this rotation seems fairly solid. Tone now, Johnny Henson, the Muppet, and Dante DiVincenzo off the bench getting that 15- to 20-minute roll with very little to see in terms of their fantasy numbers. Let's go on to the next one, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Sacramento Kings. Mike Conley, man, I was, I've got him in so many leagues this season, and he is repaying it. 27-6-5, he is healthy, he is good, he is very good. Four triples and a steal, while Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., let's get rigid. 14-7 and seven with a steal and two blocks for Triple J. He's going to be good. He's not on waiver-wise. He is a top 50 player probably this season. 
Uh, maybe I'm being aggressive, but he is not going back to the bench. And if he is, again, handcuff JB Bickerstaff and get his ass out of there if that happens. Gasol had 10 and 10 before leaving with an injury and the wing rotation. Who knows what the hell is going on with this team? Chandler Parsons was out. We had 25 minutes of Wayne Seldon. We had 14 minutes of Dylan Brooks. We had 23 minutes of Shelvin Mack, 29 of Garrett Temple. Remember when Garrett Temple people were asking to add him in 12-team leagues? This is why you don't. He had three points. And Kyle Anderson. Everyone wants to drop Kyle Anderson, but let's say this. 29 minutes for Kyle, 5-9 and nine with a steal. He was never going to be a high scorer. It was going to come from rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks, and good, decent efficiency. Now, the encouraging thing is he started, and the minutes went up. Now, if you're in a 10-team league, you probably don't want to be holding Kyle Anderson. But I still have faith in the places that I drafted him, I am still holding. It has been a brutal start, but we are literally a week into the season. There are 20 more of these to go. I am willing to hold it, especially when it's trending in the right direction, which it is for Kyle Anderson. Not saying he's going to come back and, and start putting up great lines all over the place, but I'm still holding for a bit. On to the Kings. Budrick Heald. I talked about how piss poor Dave Yeager's management was of him yesterday. He came out and played 41 minutes, 23 and 7, continues to shoot well. And yeah, that's strong. Well, Darren Fox, 21, 8 and 6 with a steal and two blocks. The fear you have is this team's going to get blown out so much that Yeager's just going to pack it in. Uh, start of the fourth quarter, he's going to sit everyone down for whatever bullshit reason that is. Another 35 minutes for Corley Stein, 15 and 10. But he could play 22. He could play 32. He could play 42. There's just absolutely zero consistency in what he does. Well, Justin Jackson, one of the worst players in the NBA, had 7 and 11 in 37 minutes. And Marvin Bagley, strong game yesterday. But this is almost exactly what I expected from Bagley. 13 and 6 in 22 minutes. One assist, no steals, no blocks, poor free throw shooting, and he actually was four of eight from the field. I thought this would be a more realistic expectation for Bagley. He's fine as a back-end 12-team league guy, but is Jaeger ever going to start him? Is he ever going to play him consistent 30 minutes a night? The answer is no. Any other coach would do it, but he won't. And also, if anyone grabbed Harry Giles in a 12-team format and hasn't moved on, you're about eight days too late. You need to do that. LeBron and the Lakers. Wrong button. That's the one. They get their first victory, a pretty easy one, over the Phoenix Suns. 19-7-10 for LeBron. While Lance Stevenson, again, I'll give the shout-outs to the ship blokes when they perform well. Still ship blokes, but Lance had 23-8-8 with two steals in 25 minutes. Now, when Brandon Ingram returns, he won't get this level of playing time. He also won't shoot 71% from the field as he did, but he is good for these occasional random outbursts and then be terrible most of the time. But I've got to give a quick shout-out to Kyle McEwen, who was massively on the JaVale McGee train this season, and JaVale has exceeded, I'd say, even Kyle's expectations. 26 minutes, 20 points, 6 rebounds, 4 blocks. There is no league where JaVale should be on a waiver wire. He has to be on a roster, while Lonzo had 12, 7, and 6, and he should not be giving up this starting spot back to, I'm a good teammate, Rajon Rondo. The hitman, Josh Hart, started for KCP, and then had foul trouble and played 26 minutes while Caldwell Pope played 33. Hart had 15, 2 and 2, two steals and four triples, and absolutely is a hot waiver wire pickup and should already be uh, grabbed. While the future MVP, 17 and 4, Kyle Kuzma, in 29 minutes, I, I worry about what's going to happen to him when Ingram returns. Also, another strong performance from Johnny Williams, 7 and 5 in his 20 minutes. On to the Suns, DeAndre Ayton, 22-11-3 with three blocks. A big, big game from Ayton. Really going to solidify himself as a top 50 guy, maybe even higher. While Booker had 23-7-7 before his hammy. Trevor Ariza, 
I don't think he's a 12-team league player. 14, 2, and 4, that's okay, but it's far from spectacular. While Josh Jackson, I would say he's definitely not a 12-team league guy. But Booker's probably going to miss time, and that's going to elevate Jackson. 10, 2, and 4 for him. Ryan Anderson just... Has this guy just forgotten how to play? He is just terrible these days. While Isaiah Kanan had 4, 5, and 2, and he is more of a 12... Uh, sorry, 16-teamer. Tony Warren Jr. had been red hot. Not so much here. 10, 3, and 1 in 29 minutes. The encouraging thing is the 29 minutes. He's a borderline-ish 12-team league player who I think is going to fade off as the season continues, or at least not keep up with the level that he was playing uh, you know, prior, to, prior to this game. The next one we take a look at is the Washington Wizards and the Golden State Warriors. Bradley, you know, it was a blowout. So limits were, uh, limits were minuted. Minutes were limited. Beal played only 19 minutes, but he also had to leave the game due to a bruised sternum, but he came back and had 23 points. Uh, Johnny Wall struggled a bit, 13-2-6, while Otto Porter had 12. And Kelly Oubre backed up his good performance with another good one. I don't think Oubre is very good, but the last two games have been encouraging, 17-4. and four. Jeff Green. My name is Jeff. 10 and 3 in 28 minutes. There was no Dwight Howard, no Yun Mihinmi. So we had Jason Smith start at center, played 11 minutes, and then it was Green and Morris playing those minutes at center. Markeith only 23 minutes, and that's a worry. You would have hoped he could have exceeded 30 in a game where these centers are out. And I did worry about him preseason, how he was going to fit alongside Dwight. And now, you know, a good game against Portland, an excellent game against Portland. Not sure how it's going to move uh, go moving forward. Um Austin Rivers played a lot of minutes, but he, he needs 50 minutes a night. He is the Andrew Harrison special to be a uh, to be a fantasy league relevant guy. Shout out to Garrett Temple too. On to the Warriors. Big night from Durant along with Steph, 38 and 7, and it just pales in insignificance compared to what Steph did. While Draymond had only five points but had 12 assists as well. And finally, we got Jordan Bell, and this is what we hoped for Jordan Bell when we were looking at drafting him with a last pick. We thought 21 minutes, eight three and three with two blocks on 100% shooting. That is great. But it's because the Wizards were running really small. Now, what do they do in the next game? Does Bell go back to being an afterthought? Damo Jones played only 12 minutes here. Kevon Looney played only 14, mainly matchup based. And that's going to be the roller coaster for Looney, for Bell, for Jones, rendering them all bit useless for anything outside of deeper formats. Clay Thompson was okay, but you know, I'm pretty down on him from a fantasy point of view, at least for this season and on this team. That'll uh that'll wrap it up for the games. Now for the games for the uh, the night of Wednesday, let us now talk some DFS. We'll go into the perfect lineup on DraftKings. That is Lance Stevenson, 48. The Don, Donovan Mitchell, 55.25. Damian Dotson, Damo, 42. Giannis Adetokounmpo at 81.5. Joel Embiid at 70.25. My man, Cameron Payne, 39.25. Kent Bazemore, 53.25. DeAndre Bembry, 46. And that's it. Totaled 435.5 for a total of $49,700. And on Fangio, you had Steph at 61.3, Campaign 36, Bazemore 54.1, Damo Dotson 40, Giannis 78.6, Lance Stevenson 47.6, Sabonis 43, PJ Tucker 32.6, and Joel Embiid at 68.8 for a total of 462. And that cost $59,200 dues. Let's look at today. We'll focus more on DraftKings. Portland and Orlando is the first game up. The Portland Trailblazers are favored by three. The total is 218 points. Thankfully today, we don't have much in terms of injury worries. Uh, the only guys with sort of uncertain statuses are Blake Griffin with an ankle issue and Alex Abrinas with his uh, mouth, and both are listed as a, uh, probable. Now, weird shit is going to creep up at some point, but it's a, it's a pretty good start. 
At point guard, we're looking at CJ McCollum at 6,100. That is a very, very good price for CJ over here on uh, on uh, DraftKings. I'm in on using him at that sort of a, of a price tag. His lowest score this season has been 26, which is pretty good value at 6,100. You've got Lillard at 8,700, who has been um, been relatively uh, impressive as well. So I'm big on big on uh, Damo Lillard as uh, as an option here at a really solid, um, I'm not sure what the right... Um, Right term would be a solid option at, at, at very uh, at the very least for uh, for that one. Um, other point guards we're looking at Jaron Grant or DJ Augustine. Um, Augustine's at forty seven hundred. I think on other sites he's a solid option. On DraftKings you do have better uh, other better value plays anyway. Shooting guards Fournier at fifty six hundred. Two strong games in a row for Evan, averaging thirty four over the last three. Maybe not quite ready to to feel solid with him in cash. But it's not a, not a bad play, especially if you're stacking up your lineup with some other big-name guys like Griffin or like Drummond or uh, or like you know, a Nikola Jokic or a LeBron in the last game of the day. Johnny Simmons, Terry Rice, Sauce Castillo, any of those. Stauskas at 4,000. Man, his role is rock-solid at the moment. He's averaging big amounts of points. He did have an 11-point stinker in 20, uh, 25 minutes, so that's a concern. But at $4,000, far from a terrible option. I'd rather him over Ross or over John Simmons. Aaron Gordon at 7,100 is listed as a small forward. I, I like that price. He hasn't quite been there, but we know he's got that 50-point upside. Probably lean tournament more than cash for as while the chief, Al Farouk Aminu. Sometimes may be good, sometimes may be shit. Which one are we going to get? Last time he was good, he had 39 points. He's at $5,000. That's absolutely worth a tournament look, but that's probably about it. While Mo Harkless, uh, minutes limit still. We'll probably keep him on the bench. He's at 3,700. He can get that. That's that's an interesting tournament play because if it comes out that he isn't on that minutes restriction, he can get you a 26 or a 27, uh, mainly through defensive numbers as well. For the power forwards, Johnny Isaac killed it last game and he's still at 4,400. I love that price. If he doesn't get into foul trouble, he should exceed that pretty comfortably. He's already averaging 23 points over the last three, 20, uh, 21 for the course of the season with a couple of real turds mixed in there. I think at 4,400, he's very, very tough to go past. You got Zach Collins at 36, probably not interested in that. The centers is where I really like this one. Nikola Vucevic, Yusuf Nurkic. Vuce is crushing, averaging 51 across his last three, and at 7,800, it's pretty hard to get uh, past that. That's the minutes are there, the production's there. Well, Nurkic had a monster last game as well, 52 for Nurk. He is a little bit more variable, a little bit more fluctuations in Nurkic's performances, but I think both of these guys have solid matchups against each other. They are both absolutely in play. If I had to pick one of them, it's going to be Vooch if I've got unlimited salary, but of course you're paying $11,100 more. Mo Bumber and Myers Leonard, I don't think there's much uh, much interest in them. On FanDuel, this is one where I think that a lot of value is, can be had. I like Gordon. I like DJ Augustin at 4,500 on FanDuel. Vooch, Isaac, and McCullum are also pretty strong cash options, while the Chief and Nurkic, they lean more towards GPPs rather than uh, the cash game plays over on, uh, over on FanDuel. Let's go on to the next game. We're talking the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Detroit Pistons. The Cavs on a back-to-back. The Pistons are favored by seven, and the total is 223.5. Teams are absolutely beating up on the Cavs, and Blake Griffin is on fire. This is a great opportunity for him again. Let's look at the point guards on DraftKings. Colin Sexton, man, I don't think he's that good, but at 3,800, he could very easily beat that. So I think that's a nice GPP play. He had 18 points today, which is pretty solid. Not a big peripheral stat accumulator, but I love Reggie Jackson. 5,700, shit tons of minutes, doing really, really well. This feels like it's almost a 30-point floor for Reggie. 
very tough to go past. Well, Ish Smith at 44, the same. Tons of minutes next to Reggie Jackson. Dropped 30 last game. Another massive opportunity against this shitful Cavs team for him to put up some pretty big numbers. Georgie Hills at 45. Uh, he's okay, but probably not. Langston Galloway, Geordie Clarkson. Clarko's an interesting GPP guy at 46, but man, give me Ish Smith at 44 over Clarko every day of the week. Rocket Rodney Hood's at 4,500. That is a strong leave alone. While Reggie Bullock at 45 has been solid. I just don't think there's much upside in Bullock. So maybe he's a, a cash fill-out type of guy. Corver, J.R. Smith, The Duck, Luke Kennard. Nope. At power, four, no, small forward. Chetty Osman, 5,900 for Chetty. He's been a little bit disappointed in the last two games. I think it's okay to bounce back and consider him on a four-game slate here. And then uh, Stan Johnson or Glenn Robinson, I don't really think we need to. Robinson was out of the rotation entirely last game. For the power forward players that aren't center eligible, there are zero of them. So let's go through the combination guys. Kevin Love's at 8,500. Wasn't the greatest from Love today. Still had 35 points, which is sort of what you want out of an $8,000 plus guy. So I'm happy with him. While Drummond at 9,000, this is this does look like a 50-pointer written for Drummond. A Drummond-Blake Griffin uh, front core combination in a lineup would be pretty strong. Griffin is up to 9,600 because this bloke is averaging 63 points so far this season. Now, at some point, it's going to drop off. But this is not the matchup that I think it's really going to drop off. I feel like there's almost a 45, 50-point floor here against the Cavs. I am, uh, I'm in on Griffo. Zaza Pachulia, the other center. Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance, not really feeling any of those guys as interesting. Over on the old Fangel, um, Sexton and Hood, more of your GPP guys, along with Chetty, who's at 6,900. Giggity! I like Love at, at 88. I love Drummond at 95. Reggie Jackson at 66 is strong. And Blake Griffin is at 9,200. Yeah, still worth a look. He's got a pretty solid floor, but the, the scoring system doesn't quite benefit him as much as what the old uh, what the old DK one does. Let's go on to the next game. It is Boston taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder are favored by one and a half. The Celtics still struggling, trying to get their shit together. So are the Thunder, but I guess home court advantage tips it in their favor. The total is 212, the lowest of the day. Our point guard, Terry Rozier at 42. Bitched and moaned about his low minutes. Newsflash, Terry, you're not as good as the other players in front of you. That's why you get lower minutes. But I, I do think that this has got a little bit of Rozier breakout written all over it. And I don't know why that is completely gut feel. He hasn't really done anything good. But in a tournament, this is a, a strong Rozier option as a gut feel play. While Kyrie's at 7,700. Actually, that's I'm looking on the wrong side. That's uh, Fangio. Let's go back to DraftKings. Rozier at 4,300. The same sort of story. Irving at 73 on DraftKings. I really like that. It broke out with a 45-pointer last time. Well, I love Westbrook here. 10,500. First game back from knee surgery, almost dropped 60. Another 60 could be coming. The Celtics defense is a concern, but he still plays well against them. You've got 55 floor, I feel like, with Russ. Marcus Smart, probably not. Well, Dennis Schroeder at 6,300. He's still going to get those minutes alongside Russ and a 30-point floor would be, I think, a realistic expectation. Rosier, 43, I mentioned already. Shooting guards. Uh, Jalen Brown has been dreadful. His highest score this season has been 50 points. He's at 5,100. I don't really feel interested in using him at all. Gordy Haywood is listed as a shooting guard, small forward. He's at 5,500. The minutes restriction will leave me away from getting him. While Abrines and uh, Terry Ferguson and uh, MC Hamadou Diallo, I don't think we can get interested there. Jeremy Grant's at 38. Maybe... 
tournament only, but I don't like that. Well, Paul George at 8,200, I love that. That is as cash as it comes. Love that salary for him. He's uh, averages 48 the last three times out against Boston as well. Some of those coming with the paces. Jace Tatum at 6,600, probably a little bit high for my liking. While Marcus Morris at 43, I don't really see it there either. Power forward type players. Let's go to the big men anyway. Al Horford, 6,000. Mm. Upside, not huge. Floor, Stephen Adams, yeah, all right. He's, I think he's fine for cash. Then you've got Adams at 6,800, who uh, does struggle a bit against the Celtics. I would fade. I would use Horford over Adams without too much um, without too much hesitation. Um, what other big men is it? Nerlens Noel, probably not much uh, not much interest there either. Well, Aaron Bainesy Baines has been ruled out with his hamstring issue. Over on FanDuel, I said Rogier and Brown are more your tournament guys. I like Schroeder and George for cash. Westbrook is up to 12-5. That is an aggressively uh, aggressively priced guy for his second game back. So I'm not super feeling him over on FanDuel. Let's go in now to the last game of the night. We've got the Nuggets and the Lakers. The Lakers on a back-to-back. The Nuggets are favored by four, and the total is 239. It's a huge total. Who is going to stop Nikola Jokic? Is it going to be JaVale McGee? Is it going to be Kyle Kuzma? The answer is nobody. So this is going to be a real free-for-all. The Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, got a great stat here. Stat from Terry Stott, not the Portland Trailblazers coach, the guy that runs Player Line Pro, which you guys should check out. That Jamal Murray, in his seven games versus the Lakers, has a true shooting percentage point boost of four. He's a 60% true shooting against the Lakers and averages an extra four points per game over his career average. So he is an interesting guy. He got things back together. 42 average DraftKings points the last three times against the Lakers as well. And we know the Lakers absolutely hate this guy because of his feud with Lonzo Ball. Speaking of Lonzo, 6,400. Lonzo also does pretty well against Denver. Boosts his performance in the couple of times he's played them. I'd be okay with using him at 6,400. Lance, I think if you use Lance, it's a bit chasey, meaning you're chasing the big performance. But at 3,700, really tough not to include him in a player pool without Brandon Ingram and Rajon Rondo still around. Um, Monty Morris was excellent last game. I don't think he gets 30 minutes, so that'll probably take the value away there. Shooting guards, Gaz Harris. Nice, Gary! 6,500 for Gaz. That feels like it's right on the nose which is not what you're really looking for upside-wise. I'm not super into him. While the hitman, Josh Hart, at 6,200, that's an aggressive price for Hart. Still did okay today, 26 points in his foul-plagued minutes, but I'm not really seeing that as just oozing value. KCP, Tory Craig, Sviatoslav McKayluk, I just wanted to say that name, uh, other shooting guard options who aren't really appealing. Let's go LeBron, 10-7, bang, cash. Him and Westbrook for cash on DraftKings are super. Really love their salaries. While the future MVP, Kyle Kuzma, 7-4. A little bit of a letdown today, but I'm, I'm okay with using him as a cash option. Trey Lyles, Wancho, Hernan Gomez. Um, yeah, they both had over 20 last game, which if you're going to pick one of them, you pick Wancho because he's at 3,800. But I still feel that Lyles has the higher upside and neither of them are cash options. Johnny Williams, at power forward, 3,200. Not a bad guy to look at if uh, McGee gets in foul trouble against Jokic. So Williams could be your GPP type of a player. And then we've got Paul Millsap at 5,800. Has been really struggling. Uh, I don't mind him at that price. I think there is value there in him. Jokic at 9,800. That is all about Jokic. He is He's averaging 53 points. That is as cash as it comes. While McGee at 53, that's cash too. Really big, big, solid numbers for both JaVale and Nikola Jokic over on DraftKings. On FanDuel, it's a bit the same. Jokic, Kuzma, and LeBron are solid. I like Blue Arrow. I like Lonzo Ball as well. Uh, JaVale McGee is at 6,200, so it's an aggressive price. That takes a little bit of the uh, little bit of value away there. 
couple other interesting notes is Nick Vucevic versus Portland. In the 10 games versus Portland, he has a nine-point-per-game higher uh, average against Portland than his career average, which is an astonishing number. More efficient, more rebounding, and I told you in that Blazers game, I really, really do like him as well. So thanks to uh, thanks for Terry for that one as well from over at Player Line Pro. Let's go through these now and just give our studs and values on DraftKings. Westbrook at ten five, I think he's a twelve thousand dollar sort of a salary guy. That's a good value on a four game slate. While a value player, Chetty Osman is a back to back, but I still think he's worth looking at at fifty nine hundred. On Fangio, Kevin Love at 8,800. It's still too cheap. It is a bit of a, of a worry the way they played last game, but hopefully they can turn it around here while the value play is Colin Sexton at 39 for the values I talked about in GPPs. Yahoo, Westbrook at 55. Self-explanatory. And the value play is DJ Augustin at minimum salary. I think you have to get on DJ at minimum there. Moneyball start is Vooch at 8,500. Love him. Uh, and DJ at 48 is your... Um, is your value play on Moneyball and on Draft Stars. Westbrook at 25.80 is a, is a great option there. And your value is Johnny Isaac at barely above minimum, 5.690. And let's go back to the best bet. Let's get our second win of the year. I've got the Celtics at plus 1.5 against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's hope that that one rolls in. Guys, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Smash the uh, like button, thumbs up, subscribe comment, turn the bell on for notifications. You know the way to do it. Follow me on Twitter and follow the Locked On Podcast Network at Locked On NBA Net. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Zach Levine.